Let's pray. Father, today we celebrate our unity that we have in Jesus Christ, that we are one body of one spirit called to one hope. We are followers of one Lord, having one faith, baptized by one spirit. We are children of yours, our God and Father. You are over all and through all and in all. Help us today to receive the teaching about being diversified, though unified. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Diversity is a beautiful thing. You have a Bible and open up to 1 Corinthians 12. I want to begin this morning with uh, two stories because I love diversity so very much. Um, I was speaking at the Middletown High School graduation baccalaureate about 10 years ago, and a number of high school seniors were at my house. So I asked them about their experience in high school and what, you know, what they learned through high school and what the school needed. The first one to speak up was named Nathan Y. He said, what Middletown needs is more black people. <laughs> Nathan Y is an African-American, and in his graduating class in Middletown 10 years ago, he was the only African-American graduating. He said, what we need is more black people in Middletown. <laughs> what his cry was, was for more diversity. My second story has to do with Ruth Kwok. Um, she was married to Larry Kwok and left here about 10 years ago. Larry's the chair of the oncology department at MD Anderson. While Ruth, Ruth, Ruth was here, she was over the children's ministry. And what she prayed while she was here and as she left was our church to get more people of color. You see, she and her family are Korean. And when Jimmy was asked, my son Jimmy was asked by us, what do you want to be when you grow up, Jimmy? He said, I want to be Korean. <laughs> I said, Jimmy, you can't be Korean. You can only love the Koreans. This, uh, <laughs> this last week, I spoke for some time with a man from Gambia. I talked to a nurse from Ghana. I conversed with a family from China. And I spent some time with a guy from Pakistan. And if you really want to see diversity, go to Debbie's ESL class where you'll see the nations are coming to our land. We're called to make disciples of all the nations, but the nations are coming to our area. Do you agree? We are becoming more and more diversified. The diversity seen in our community is now being reflected in our church. Diversity is a beautiful thing. It's a God thing. And this morning, we want to celebrate some diversity. But we first of all need to value and appreciate and uh, celebrate diversity. We now have believers coming to our church from South America. One of our young men from Colombia married another woman from Colombia. We have believers from Africa, uh, beautiful families from Nigeria, Liberia, and the Ivory Coast. We have believers from Australia and New Guinea. We have believers from Latin America and believers from Asia, from Japan, Korea, and China. We all come from many different cultures. We speak many different languages, and we worship differently. Wouldn't you agree we worship differently? Some of us worship with our hands in our pockets. Some of us worship with our hands stretched to the heavens. Some of us are in between. <laughs> Some of us are quiet, just barely whispering a word in worship. Some of us are full volume kind of shouting. Some of us are in between. If we have our hands in our pockets, we cannot judge our brothers or sisters who have their hands stretched toward heaven. Maybe we need to develop more of a childlike, free kind of faith 
to be expressive to our Father. If we have our hands stretched toward heaven, <laughs> our volume is turned up to the max, we maybe need to be aware of those around of us also, right? Not distracting them from worship. Both sides need to be aware of God in his presence, in the presence of his people, worshiping him from the heart. This morning, I get to speak about Jesus and his church, as well as vegetables and vegetable soup. I want to thank Tommy Lee for supplying the vegetables, and you'll have at the end some vegetable soup to enjoy. But let me give you first some background about me, why this is important to me. My, my parents were both raised on farms in western North Carolina. Growing up, we spent a lot of time in the, on the farm in, uh, in springtime and summer. Um, we always had a large garden behind our house. Vegetables, to me, are my love language. I love growing vegetables to enjoy, and I love to give them away. Um, did you ever hear me say that love is like a sweet potato? Well, love really is like a sweet potato, because when God made the potato, he said it's good. But when he made the sweet potato, he said it is very good. <laughs> Little joke. I'm happy with a bowl of beans, right? I love navy beans and pinto beans. I love lima beans. I love green beans. I am happy with most Mediterranean foods like hummus or baba ganoush with pita. Vegetables to me remind me of the goodness of God. The psalmist said, you know, taste and see the Lord is good. I believe that good vegetables come from the good earth and are blessed by the good hand of God. Now, God didn't make just one kind of vegetable. He made a diversity. He made vegetables that grow beneath the ground, like the turnip and the carrot and the potato. He made vegetables that grow above the ground, like the lettuce and the kale and the spinach. You can uh, make yourself healthier if you simply give yourself more vegetables. Proof is Daniel, who ate vegetables and made himself healthier. Certain vegetables give us vitamins, like vitamin a and vitamin B and vitamin C, vitamin K. Vi uh, vegetables help our immunity. Vegetables give us antioxidants. Vegetables give you folate, which helps with fetal development. Now, I shared that in the first service, and I said, I'm going to save that for this service. They help with fetal development. If you were there, you would understand. And vegetables give you fiber, okay? They give you much fiber. Now, as you know, I've been recovering for the last year or so, and Debbie will ask me often, you know, or how can I bless you? And my answer is always the same. You can make me some vegetable soup. So I have some of my vegetable friends up here. You'll see them. You say you're a strange pastor that has friends being vegetables. Well, each vegetable is a beautiful gift from God. They have a texture and a color and a taste. They surely can be enjoyed individually, but I believe that when they become part of a vegetable soup, they achieve their highest destiny. <laughs> they are better together in a soup than they are individually. So let me talk to you a little bit about vegetables and how wonderful they are for you. First of all, bell peppers. You know, bell peppers come in yellow and they come in green and uh, orange. They come in kind of a dark color, a purple. They come in red. Debbie's favorite is red peppers. They have a, a lot of vitamin A in them, which is for healthy skin and eyes. They also have vitamin C. You know how helpful vitamin C is to you? 
Vitamin C is helpful to your teeth and your gums. You know, the British sailors, when they sailed, didn't have any vitamin C. They got scurvy. And so they started packing on board limes. And the, soldiers would, the sailors would suck on limes. And that's why the sailors were called limeys. Didn't know that, did you? Maybe you did know that. Broccoli. You know, when we eat foods that toxify us, broccoli is a natural detoxifier. And then carrots. Carrots are the ABC of health. Did you know that carrots have vitamins A, B, and C in them? They're awesome. They um, also help you much with your eyes. They guard against uh, things like um, uh, macular degeneration. They help with your um, cholesterol, against cardiac disease and cancer. They are very rich in beta carotene, these carrots are. My mom used to say, you've never seen a bunny with glasses, have you? So these carrots help you with your eyes. And then there's celery. Celery is this awesome low-calorie food. You know that you, um, to digest celery takes more calories than to eat the celery. In other words, you're gaining ground by eating celery. But the amazing thing about celery is that it has silicon in it. And silicon helps your joints and your bones and your arteries and takes cholesterol out of your body. And then there's eggplant. Eggplant I love. It's low in calories and sodium, and it helps prevent uh, cancer. It helps export cholesterol out of you. And then there's kale, the new superfood, which is the highest in vitamin K. And then there's spinach, which is this great source of vitamins A, C, and E, and calcium and iron, potassium, protein. See, vegetables are really, really good for you. But you are not a vegetable, okay? And your neighbor next to you isn't a vegetable either. You are the body of Christ. The truth is that we are his body and we are given gifts. You see, while Jesus lived upon this earth, he dwelt here in a body. When he walked, he walked with his feet from town to town to preach the gospel. When he uh, used his hands, he used them to touch the poor and the blind, the lepers. When he saw people, he saw them with compassion. His heart went out to them. You see, he lived his life here in a body. He lived his life on earth without sin. He went to the cross in a body. He was laid in the tomb in a body. He rose from the dead in a body, a new glorified body. He ascended to the right hand of the Father in a body. And when he got to heaven, he asked the Father, and he sent now the Holy Spirit to us. And these gifts have been distributed to his body. We are the body of Jesus Christ. Many people will say, I'm going to church, as if church were a building or church were an event in a building. The truth is that we are the church. We are the body of Jesus. We are his hands, and we are his feet, and we are his eyes, and we see this world and feel in our hearts. We are the body. The body is the visible presence of the invisible God. God manifests himself through the body, and we're all working together. There is this beautiful orchestration and harmony in the body of Christ. 
Now, there's a problem that's addressed in this text in 1 Corinthians 12. It's the issue of inferiority. Imagine for a moment these vegetables beside me could talk. Let's imagine that the bigger vegetables like the potato, the eggplant, the zucchini squash, all have more prestige. And let's imagine the smaller vegetables like the kernel of corn, like the lima bean, like the pea, have less status. And let's say the lima bean is feeling inferior. The lima bean says, even when they put me with corn, they call me succotash. How many people like succotash? You know, the lima bean says, I'm not a potato with its large size and beautiful brown skin. I'm not an eggplant with its oblong shape and purple color. I'm not a zucchini with its cylindrical shape and green color. All I am is a lima bean. I'm not very large. I'm not very beautiful. I'm hardly anything at all. I'm not needed in the vegetable soup. Who would ever miss me if I wasn't put in the vegetable soup? I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like a lima bean. Perhaps you feel like you're not very large, or perhaps you feel like you're too large. You don't feel very beautiful. Feel like you don't have much of a contribution to make. You wouldn't be missed if you weren't here or there. You really aren't needed. So let me speak to you as if you were a lima bean. <laughs> this is the first. Pastor R speaking to you like you're a lima bean. Hey, you're a lima bean, but you're made exactly like God made you. You are made in the image of God. You are his workmanship, his masterpiece. You're his best piece of work. You have a huge contribution to make. You are needed on our team. We would never be ourselves without you. We need you lima beans to rise up. And then there's an issue of superiority. Now, when I first uh, thought about this, I was grabbing a potato from home, and it had sort of antlers on it. Debbie said, please don't take that potato in. So I found one of to Tommy's potatoes. So let me give you now my potato illustration about superiority. Unlike the lima bean feeling inferior, the potato breaks bad and goes over to the dark side and starts feeling superior. The potato knows that worldwide, it's the most harvested crop. The potato knows that when he's baked, he's the perfect combination to a juicy steak with some butter and sour cream and pepper and salt. He knows for over 50 years, he's been the featured thing at McDonald's with Happy Meals and meal deals. The potato says to the other vegetables, I don't really need you. Eggplant, I don't need you. Zucchini, get out of the soup. The potato says to the smaller vegetables, I'm pulling some weight around here because I am the celebrity vegetable. Little veggies, corn, lima bean, pea, get out of the pot. We aren't making vegetable soup. We're making potato soup. Now the potato gets all full of himself. I am large and in charge. My skin is so beautiful. I don't need these other vegetables. They're going to clutter up my soup. I don't know if you've ever felt superior, as if your gift is more important than someone else's gift. 
But let me say this to you potatoes. You aren't even a vegetable. You're a starch. You don't even belong in vegetable soup. Get out. Now. No. So, with that word of introduction about my friend vegetables and potatoes take over the soup, I want to take you now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 and talk about this beautiful thing, unity, and this beautiful thing, diversity. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. four. There are different kinds of gifts. You say, Pastor R., what is this gift business? A gift is an apportionment. It's an allotment. It's something given by God. And there's all different kinds of gifts. Gifts to serve, gifts to help, gifts to teach, and gifts to lead. Everybody in the body is given gifts, some multiple gifts. And they all come from one source, namely the Holy Spirit. Gifts aren't your natural talents. Natural talents you're born with. Spiritual gifts you're born again with. Natural gifts are given at your birth. Spiritual gifts are given at your new birth. Gifts are not your identity, okay? Nobody can say, I'm a singer. You see, I'm a believer who sings. Now, singing may be your natural gift. You know, non-Christians sing as well. But when a person becomes a believer, now they can use their voice for the Lord to give him praise. Well, how do you find your spiritual gift? Well, one sure pathway is come to the place workshop. Another way is through trial and error. Usually your spiritual gift is something you're inclined toward or motivated toward, something you want to do, you like to do, you feel encouragement from, and people get blessed. So let's say, for instance, you try out the gift of hospitality, but you're really no good at it, right? You stress out in the kitchen, people don't have a good time at your house, you're glad when they leave, <laughs> people say, stop, <laughs> don't do that anymore. That probably isn't your spiritual gift, all right? Now, now sometimes we minister, we minister outside of our gifts. Say, say, for instance, someone comes to church and they have a heavy need on their heart, right? And you say, well, my gift isn't intercession. Find somebody whose is. You see, the body needs to minister according to their gifts and according to the needs they find within the body. Sometimes you'll step into a ministry that isn't specifically your spiritual gift because there's a huge need. But it's better when it's according to your gift. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, and there's different kinds of service. Do you understand here the reason why God has given you a gift is to use that gift, to serve with that gift, to put that gift into action. You see, we're given different gifts by the Spirit unto different kinds of ministries to serve with to the same Lord. Our service is rendered unto Jesus who showed us what true servanthood is. Serving is a high quality value in the body of believers. I know a guy who was estranged from his father, living as an unbeliever, didn't care what his father said, what his father asked him to do. And then he went through a period of repentance and faith in his life. He became a follower of Jesus. And what his father said to him 
really mattered. He loved serving his father. It was an honor to serve his father. It was a privilege to serve his father. And so the attitude with which we serve is such a huge thing. When somebody serves with an attitude of humility, gladly, cheerfully, that makes their service all the more better, which says that spiritual gifts are slightly different from spiritual maturity because a person can have a spiritual gift to serve but not be very mature about it, have a very bad attitude about it. Then he says in verse 6, there's different kinds of workings or empowerments or manifestations, but the same God works all of them in all men. So what he's saying is this, that to each one of us is given gifts. To each one of us is given opportunities to minister. And God works differently through all men, for God is working through us in the exercise of our gifts. So why are the gifts given? Verse 7, now to each one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If a person has the gift of knowledge, they are not to keep that knowledge unto themselves. If a person has the gift of wisdom, they're not to hold on to their wisdom, they are to impart that wisdom to somebody else. If a person has the gift of faith, they're to express that faith so that others' faith can be strengthened by their faith. So let's begin now to look at some of these gifts as portrayed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 8. For there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to understand God's will and apply it to the situation. One of my prayers that I pray for myself and for you is for God to give you wisdom. A person who has wisdom medically knows how to treat certain diseases. So let's say, for instance, you get Lyme's disease. There's a message of wisdom to you from somebody who's gained this wisdom as to how to navigate through your recovery. Let's say, for instance, there's a person with a gift of wisdom financially. They know how to do things like budget. They know how to get out of debt. They know how to save money. You know, every time I hear uh, Dave Ramsey's, Dave Ramsey, I think here's a man with wisdom financially. You see, a person with wisdom financially can help you, especially if you find yourself in tough straits financially. And then there's those who have gifts of wisdom legally. They know how to navigate through a um, legal situation. And there's gifts here of people technologically. You know how to fix a computer. We thank God for you. You see, to each one of us, through the Spirit, is given a message of wisdom. And so this wisdom is imparted, and we use this wisdom for the common good, for the betterment of mankind. And to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Now, a person with the gift of knowledge understands the mysteries of God's revelation. God gives to certain saints the ability to study God's words, and provide understanding to others. A person with the gift of knowledge loves to read. They love to learn. They love books. They love dead people. 
You know, <laughs> um, for me, on a Monday, to refresh myself, I love to read about six to eight hours. I love to listen for three or four hours because I love to learn. When somebody comes to me and says, Pastor R, can you tell me the difference between Burkhoff and Bart? I say, I'm so glad you asked that question. Now, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But here's a book. You can read about that. You see, people that have the gift of knowledge want to resource you, put into your hands something you can read that you can learn and not be so ignorant. So why is this gift given? Well, see, knowledge is the ability to grasp. But wisdom is the ability to apply, and both are foundational gifts for teaching and preaching. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, he's not referring here to faith necessary to be saved. He's referring here to faith that is to trust God in the midst of difficult, impossible situations. This kind of faith is expressed toward God in prayer. And here's a great faith verse for those of you with the gift of faith. For truly Jesus said, I say to you, Matthew 17, 20, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be moved, be moved from here to there, for nothing will be impossible to you. I know people with mountain-moving faith. They believe in a mountain-moving God. They speak to the mountain. They speak to the cancer. They speak to the disease. They speak to the fear. They speak to the uncertainty. They speak to the worry. They speak against the enemy in Jesus' name. These people are warriors, and they're fighting a battle for people's freedom. They know that every person is in a battle, and a person with faith is fighting for their freedom. Because they know in prayer, people get set free. This uh, last couple days, I received some disheartening news about a certain pregnancy. And it, it's not Debbie. And it was, uh, <laughs> and not Betsy. But it, I received, <laughs> let's clear the air. So it's nobody on that side of the room. <laughs> but I received news about a disheartening pregnancy. And uh, some, something that really concerned me. And what would normally have happened would, would be I would have gone into fear or worry or anxiety about this. It was as if fear was knocking at the door. You ever had fear knocking at your door? You ever had worry knocking at your door? You ever had anxiety pressing hard against you? I in my life have dealt a lot with this, but I have learned this to be true. The perfect love of Jesus casts out fear, and God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And you can choose to open that door, or you can choose to keep that door shut. You see, in the past, I have opened that door but I am now keeping that door shut. Do you let everybody come to your house in? Do you let everybody that runs by your house in a car in? Why do you let fear and anxiety and worry in? 
You see, if you keep that door shut and dwell in the presence of God and remind yourself of the promises of God, what you'll find there is the absence of fear. I have been walking in a different way this weekend than I would have walked because I'm keeping the door shut. God has taught me that, of how to deal with fear. To another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. Now, I believe we're entering now in the controversial gifts. God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God can heal directly, instantaneously. God can heal slowly, progressively. God can give you grace to endure the pain. And God can heal completely by taking you to heaven. But God uses the faith of his people who believe he is able to ask him to bring healing into a person's life. I have met people empowered by the Spirit whose words, whose prayers, whose actions have brought healing into my life. You see, it is to make a proclamation. I, when I was down, was in a place I did not know where I was at. I was completely lost. And I had no knowledge of how to get out of those woods. But God sent me a number of people with the gifts of healing. One of those is our own Pastor Dan, who came to my house and said it's okay to be human. Another was a guy named Ralph McBee, who helped me work through some PTSD. Another was a guy named Brian Tuckey, who's a physical therapist who did release upon my body. Another was a group of Pentecostal prayer warriors who came to the house shouting to the Lord, delivering me from all kinds of stuff. You see, healing is a precious, precious gift. And all healing is from God. And he gives the gifts of his body. And when those gifts are used, people get healed. It's God who decides who get healed. And to another, the miraculous powers. Jesus' first miracle was turning the water into wine. The first of his miraculous signs that Jesus did to manifest his glory and his disciples believed. Jesus did many miracles to prove he was God. Travis, while he was here, said, I never saw a miracle, but now I am one. And perhaps the miracle of his life was diagnosed with four-stage esophageal cancer, given essentially a death sentence. He lived for four years. God would put that into remission. And we don't understand all these mysteries of God, but we understand that God has miracle-working power. Now, no person on earth can do miracles. Only God can do miracles. But miracles always begin with a problem that we seek God for, and we see how he works his hand in that situation. To another, prophecy. Prophecy is to speak forth, to proclaim. To prophesy is to make a proclamation. Now, prophecy may or may not be prediction, but a prophet is somebody who speaks God's word boldly. The gift of prophecy is a spirit-empowered ability to proclaim God's word effectively. And perhaps the most clear verse on this is 1 Corinthians 14.3. The one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and 
consolation. And to another, perhaps the most controversial of all the gifts is the gift of tongues. Wow. Tongues means languages. I have a friend of mine, his name is Bruce. And Bruce spent most of his life in Brazil speaking Portuguese. He can learn language as well. He is now in French school learning French because he plans to go to Chad to be a missionary. We know at Pentecost, people spoke in languages they had never spoken before in order to transmit the gospel. But I have a friend of mine, when he was born again, he was given the gift of tongues. He says, this is how God gives me a download. God speaks to me in a tongue. This is not a gift that I have been given. I don't believe all Christians are given the gift of tongues. But I do believe there's people in this body who've experienced that, who have received from God that way. So, back to you for a moment. You have been given a gift. Your gift has come from the Holy Spirit. Your gift is meant for the common good. Your gift is meant to be used and deployed. Your gift is meant to become part of this thing we call the body of Christ. So we drop the carrots into the pot. And we drop the zucchini into the pot. And we drop the onion. Do you like onions? I don't. Into the pot. And we drop the garlic into the pot. Yes. And so what happens is, when we all begin to use our gifts, when those with serving gifts get beside those with administrative gifts, their gifts get to be placed to bless the body of Christ. When those with leadership, leadership gifts get in charge and take the body somewhere, the people follow. You see, we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. When the body is using their gifts, we are healthy. We are edifying one another. You know, when we use our gifts, the body is edified, and God is glorified, and the devil is terrified. So it's time for God's people to understand the gift you've been given and deploy that gift and use that gift for the common good. We've got some vegetable soup coming your way soon. You may smell it all around. We've got our worship team coming back too. We're going to do one last song. And the song speaks about how God does beautiful things. He does beautiful things in the ground by bringing up out of the ground these beautiful gifts. And God does beautiful things in us as we begin to use these gifts to God's glory for the common good. You don't want to put, take your, your gift and hide it under a bushel. You don't want to take your gift and put it on a shelf. You want to take your gift and open your hands and say, God, how would you like to use my gift? I surrender myself and my gift to you. If you've been holding back, it may be a good time to release. And you just come and just pray before the Father, God, use me. I want to be used. God wants to do a beautiful thing in all of us. Stand with us, would you?